a.m. East Lansing. This is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello, this is Production Editor Skylar Ashley taking over for Burl Schwartz. On today's show, we've got the final interview by Audrey Matus, which concludes our Lansing Legends series. Right now, it's time to break down what's going on here in Lansing this weekend and throughout the week. As always, you can check out even more great events by visiting LansingCityPulse.com. I want to thank our new arts editor, Chloe Alverson, for contributing to this list and handpicking some cool stuff for y'all to check out. Up first, tomorrow, March 7th, we've got the School of Rock East Lansing's house band performing at One North Kitchen and Bar. These kids can seriously play. I saw them at Winterfest this past weekend, and honestly, they were really good. They're total shredders, and it's pretty impressive stuff. Customers can also enjoy the delicious food and drinks served at One Nation while listening to the live music from the band. That goes on from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. On Tuesday, March 8th, Crunchies is hosting a live trivia night powered by Sporkle. There will be two games played from 7.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m., and contestants will be competing for the chance to win Crunchy's gift certificates. Sparkle trivia events cover a huge range of topics, from 80s pop music to ancient history and even biology. You'll want your music fanatic friends, your history buff friends, and even your science nerd buddies by your side if you want to win this one. On Thursday, March 10th, Sean Miller, a singer-songwriter native to northern Michigan, is performing at Urban Beat from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. His music is described as a tasteful blend of rock, folk, and country. And if you want to spend a little extra cash than the $10 door fee, a dinner menu is available upon request. And finally, getting to the weekend, Friday, March 11th, the 10-pound fiddle is bringing the Irish quartet Tiada to East Lansing. The band, often noted for its traditional and timeless Celtic music, will perform at the University United Methodist Church. That performance goes from 7.30 p.m. to 10 p.m. Tickets range from $5 to $20 and can be purchased at the 10-pound fiddle's website or in person. On Saturday, March 12th, Board and Brush in West Lansing is hosting its first DIY workshop to build cornhole boards from noon to 3.30 p.m. With warm weather approaching, building these sets is a great way to get a head start on a perfect outdoor activity for you and your friends. Patrons can choose from a wide variety of designs and the Board and Brush staff will provide the materials and step-by-step instructions to create the boards. Pre-registration is required for the event, which you can check out online, and you can find out all the information you need at boardandbrush.com. Also on Saturday, March 12th, Michigan State University Museum curator Mary Worrell is hosting a public conversation about craftivism. What's craftivism? Well, that can be best described as the intersection of craft art and activism. From 1.30 p.m. to 2.30 p.m., Worrell will be exploring objects from the museum's collections that were created as statements for social justice. Registration is required and can be done online through the museum's website, museum.msu.edu. Also on Saturday, March 12th, Everybody Reads Bookshop is hosting a celebration for the re-release of Michigan notable authors, 
Artie Bernstein's book, Bath Massacre, America's First School Bombing. He'll be present at the event and will talk all about his book from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Again on Saturday, March 12th, we've got the Kalamazoo Band Crossroads Resurrection performing at Urban Beat from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. The band, formerly known as the Crossroads Blues Band, blends blues, and soul for a unique sound of its own. Tickets can be purchased in advance for $8 or for $10 at the door. And that about wraps it up for the events going on in Lansing this weekend. You're listening to City Pulse on the air on 88.9 FM, The Impact. I'm production editor, Skylar Ashley. You can check out even more great events by visiting LansingCityPulse.com. Up next on the show, we've got reporter Audrey Matusa's interview with longtime Lansing resident Barbara Davis as part of the Lansing Legends series, which was a four-part look at longtime Lansing residents who witnessed a generation of black excellence. After losing a husband and a daughter, Barbara Davis decided it was time to make a change. At age 72, Davis is a master's student attending Siena Heights University studying clinical mental health. In her interview with Audrey Matus, Davis takes a break from writing an essay on historical trauma to shed light on her personal journey of self-acceptance, spirituality, and community mentorship. Let's check out the interview. How long have you lived in Lansing? All my life. You're born here? Born and raised, yes, on the west side of Lansing. Side. Okay, uh, what schools did you attend? Are they still around? Uh, Main Street is, but now it's, I think it's a um, child care facility. West Junior is still standing, but they got to reinnovate, um, you know, change it into something else. And um, Sexton High School. That's so cool. Have you gone to a Sexton recently? Do you ever visit? I went in there um, for a meeting, and it's it's totally different, totally different than what, you know, um, They've put in new stuff, and it's different. The um, principal and the assistant principal offices are a little different, but I think we had more of um, disciplinarians, which was good. You had more? More. we Like our principal, the teachers and stuff, they were, I, I shouldn't say more caring, but I think it was our parents, in other words. You didn't go home with anything lower than a C. <laughs> so they had more. A conversation, I think, with the um, teachers and administrators than they do now. I see. Yeah, parental involvement is something I've talked about. Another, um, I've talked to yes. Allen. Yes. That was a big difference. Okay. Um, and then I want to get some titles out of the way. So, um, how many degrees do you have, and what are you studying right now? Okay, I have an associate, a bachelor's, and I'm working on my um, um, master's in clinical mental health. The MSU? Uh, Sienna Heights. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, it's a it's a school not too far from U of M. It's it's a um, Catholic based school, although I'm not a Catholic, but it is um, it's a good it's a good university. I'm telling you, it's hard. <laughs> Yeah, you seem very busy. Like, what does your typical week look like as a student? Well, I um, I have a part-time job at um, Epicenter Worship Church, and then I have, like, 12 clients that I have to interview because you have to get so many hours. And then I have uh, two classes. And I work, and I'm, you know, the church clerk for union, working on two committees. 
And so I think I have a full day. Interesting. You say um, church clerks for union, is that like a service? Union Missionary Baptist Church. Gotcha. Are you seeing clients at, at the church as well? Are they providing mental health services? No, I have an office that I go to. Um, I have a supervisor, and um, so it's part of it's, it's your internship. You have to have 600 hours. So I'm getting ready to get out of there on May 7th. Woohoo! <laughs> Excellent. You get your hours at the church counseling. No, no, I get my hours counseling. It does not matter where. I mean, we have an office on Martin Luther King. It's not your average counseling agency, mm-hmm. and. Um, so that's where we that's where I do my counseling. Or sometimes it's now since the pandemic it's over Zoom a lot. Oh wow, how does that change things? Doing uh, it, it's not <laughs> as a time to get to the field. Yes, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a very interesting time. I think that's why the students um in 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 this program have so many clients because of the pandemic. You're listening to City Pulse on the air on 88.9 FM, The Impact. Let's get back to reporter Audrey Matus's interview with Barbara Davis. Okay, so that's a great first question I want to dive into. Is how do you think the pandemic has impacted um, the collective we's, our mental health? Or perhaps you can speak about your clients more generally. It's a lot of anxiety, depression, because a lot of uh, people like to stay in, which is good. But um, I think, like, if you don't want to be in crowds, you can take a walk by yourself. You can pick up a, um, some kind of a useful trade over the Zoom, like maybe artwork, writing, reading, something to take your mind off of that you're maybe be home alone or isolated because that um, can cause a lot of depression, anxiety, and sometimes suicidal. That's really interesting. I um, actually, so those are some suggestions you had. The anxiety, do you mind kind of explaining that for our readers a little bit who maybe don't know what anxiety is? Like, I guess uh, a common understanding is that it's fear of the future. So maybe you could break that down a bit more and how that relates to. And, and the, um, the way sometimes the clients relate to it is as a rush. You know, everything starts beating fast. Your your your, your hands start shaking. Your heart. This is in your mind. Your heart starts beating fast, and, and your mind just rushes. It is the fear, and it's the fear of what's going to come, and sometimes it's fear of what has happened. Is it going to come back again? Okay, so the, people have this fear of, like, another round. Yes, something up. else. Yes. That's interesting. Uh, and I imagine there's also a flip side, too. For those, like, do you ever have clients who are, you know, don't believe that the pandemic exists? Absolutely, I do. Um, well, it's what all kind of. What kind of anxiety are they experiencing? <sighs> Sorry, go ahead. Not, not real. No, I'm just thinking. It's not really to me. Not really anxiety. It's like frustration because everybody. It's, it's about eighty percent who do believe in the pandemic, who do wear the mask, and um, I wear my mask, and I've been vaccinated and boosted. So if if a client comes in without that mask, I will ask them, can you put on the mask? So it's a lot of frustration there that they don't, well, this is nothing. This is just, just like the flu. Well, it's not to me. So, but I just ask them politely, would you, here's a mask, and I have them put them on. I see. So they're more so dealing with anger 
maybe even um, institutional betrayal? Like, that's- No, I would just say it's just simple unbelief. And and so I don't push it in for them to believe in, because if that, especially if that's not the um, anxiety or depression or whatever they come in with, you move on. Sorry, I'm doing some shuffling here in the car. <laughs> um, so, so you're saying you don't really get too far into people's beliefs over the pandemic in your sessions, but it does really come up once in a while. Yeah, I can. I can't quite hear you right now. Oh, okay. Maybe I get on my side. Oh, do you hear better now? Yes. Okay, great. Um, so what my question was, during sessions, you don't necessarily talk about people's feelings with the pandemic. They're usually coming in for other issues. Unless unless that is one of their issues. Otherwise, we move on. Like I said, if they don't have a mask, I will ask them to put one on. That may result in, in a conversation about the pandemic. But if it does not, it's more importantly about them, what they're feeling, what their anxiety, depression is like. Okay. Um, so, you, here, how this. what do you say is your biggest lesson that you've learned as a as a counselor, right? It's the proper term. In what do you mean by lesson? What do you mean by lesson? Um, as in your profession, something that you've learned, take away. What do I take away? Mhm. There, you know what? The sad thing about this. Um, professor, there's a lot of discrimination with mental illness. Um, people who don't really realize what it is, there's a lot of discrimination by um, race, sex, um, religion. I mean, there's a lot of confusion in mental health. So some people mm-hmm. try to avoid people who have that problem. But there's people in high places who have mental health issues. But as they, and you see people walking the streets, that's obvious. Well, other people discriminate, but all they need is help. And, and that's what really drew me to this profession is to help somebody. It's because there's so much needed, especially what I've seen in the area that I'm in is minorities. And some may not, and it's not just minorities that cannot afford mental health. There's, there's other, there's seniors as well. That may not can afford the um the fee that you have to pay, so they need someone that can just help them. You're listening to City Pulse on the air in 88.9 FM the Impact. Let's get back to reporter Audrey Matus's interview with Barbara Davis. So in your work, do you find yourself working and like in legal systems as well? Like how, trying to help people coach through I haven't had that, that, that issue. I haven't had that issue yet, no. So the sessions that you provide, are they free? Yes. Oh, that's very cool. Okay. So you're seeing folks who are maybe very new to this type of. Yeah. How do they get to see you? How do they get to see me? Um, They go through my supervisor and or either um, they'll, you know, people that know that I'm in will refer somebody to me and that's how I get in. But I do check with my supervisor. And he's, at one while I had 18, and it just was, it was too many. So, um, yeah. 
Are you allowed to share the agency that you've been working with? Um, not your ever average counseling. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so I'm gonna wind it back a little bit. Um, so when did you get your bachelor's degree? At Siena Heights. Okay, and <laughs> you was that recently? No, that's been years ago. That's social. That was a social psychology degree. But I'm gonna tell you one little thing. The reason why I went back. When I yeah. went, when I lost my daughter, I lost a daughter, and I was suicidal, and I still had a daughter and a grandson to stay here for. So I did end up in the hospital, and I thought about it. What? You, this is not just about you. You have too much to live for. You need to do something. So it was years later after you know I got myself because still it still hurts. She she was she's been gone since '08. But you still have to capitalize on that because before she passed, she told me, God's going to take care of me now. That should have, that should have gave me some relief, but it did not. So getting into this profession, it helps because you're always busy and it takes your mind off of the negative and you can change it into something positive because of your contribution. That's incredible. I, um, and you said, yeah. That's amazing. And do your grandkids now, do they grow up knowing more about mental health and you have to my grandson with them? My grandson, he's, you know, he's 24 right now, so he's, he's doing his own thing, but he does know about it. And, um, yeah, you're listening to City Pulse on the air in 88.9 FM, the impact. Let's get back to reporter Audrey Matus's interview with Barbara Davis. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, that's that's all I was gonna say. He does know what what I'm into. Okay, I, I was wondering if, um, as a psychologist raising these young children, if you had different approaches to parenting and the conversations you'd have about mental health, being a survivor yourself. With parenting of my own child. Oh, your grandchildren. Yeah. Yes, I do because I understand sometimes when they act out because he's being raised by me and his mom. And by being a young man, you know, he gets very frustrated sometimes. I mean, unbearably frustrated. Before, I was like, you know, you better straighten up. But now I understand. A man needs a man. And we can only do one role. So um, does, he's getting it now, but it took a minute. You know, and it's still a lot of work to do. It's incredible. What do you feel are is the biggest barrier for um, people of color who are seeking mental health services? Who are seeking mental health? They're afraid because, you know, back long time ago in history of mental health, what used to happen to the blacks when they were, like, living in, in the uh, white man's home or taking care of their kids? If they were um, diagnosed as being mentally ill, they were put in a cave in in the ground and kept there. Some of them died, some of them made it out. So now I have maybe, out of all those clients, I may have no more than three or four blacks or minorities because they do not, they do not come to counseling like that. And it's, that's what I try to express with people that if you need it, it's not about your color anymore. We don't do that anymore. 
Mm-hmm. But it's hard. You know, it's been instilled. Even though they didn't live back in that day, they heard that from their grandparents, their great-grandparents, some of them moms. Um, that's the way it was back in the day. I also know that in some urban cities, even just like in the 60s, uh, 70s, that um, black folks that would get mental health services would get sent to the hospital versus, you know, maybe like a retreat or some or a different right. subsect of the hospital. Um, right. Where you're going to be with people who don't have the same issues as you. Right. Is that still exist right. today? I'm, yeah, I'm kind of curious. Today, but, today there's so many different therapies that you can try. Um, I like the mindfulness is um, when you, especially when you get anxiety, like um, taking a piece of ice and putting it in your hand. Like if you, your heart starts rushing, you're thinking about, oh, 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 oh. So your mind is going like that. If you take that ice and put it in your hand, it's going to get so cold. That's, that eases you down. That's the only thing you can think of is, oh, my hand is cold. And you'll see that come off of your mind. And then there's the breathing technique as well. So there's a lot yeah. of mindfulness things that you can do, but um, you have to, you can't do it with hanging on to that anxiety. I mean, you can't do them both at the same time. It <laughs> obviously will not work. That's really interesting to me. I um, so imagine you mostly work with adults. Yes, I do work with adults. Yeah, do you have any other mindfulness exercises that you found effective with, um, yeah, adults, people who are working? Um, one, one thing, and, and some, I, this is not so geared at anxiety, at depression, it's just getting out and doing something. The more you sit and look at that boob tube or don't exercise, exercising is so good for people. Um, you're gonna, it, it, it's depressing because you're sitting there and you're just looking at the television, eating, don't exercise the same day at the same thing, it's the same thing. Well, that would drive anybody into <laughs> depression. Mm-hmm. So, um, exercise is, is very good. Um, it, you know, it, it pumps up your body, I mean, with good feelings, good sweat, and, um, you go on with your day. I love that. I am wondering, I think I'm going back in time a little bit. So talking more about Lansing, where you grew up, do you study at all, like, how environment affects affects your mental health? Oh, my God. Um, I grew up on Max Avenue with a two-block street um, before Oldsmobile bought us out. It was a 496. Mm. People keep saying it was 496, but it was Oldsmobile. But the family was so close every family knew about every child when the child came home we slept with the door open or on the porch we didn't have to worry about our neighbors so you know i didn't know too much about depression then Mm -hmm. i just know about punishments but (laughs) 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 you know um but it's so different now and and i believe my thought is that that's where a lot of this depression comes from, especially in the elderly, because we're not used to that. You're listening to City Pulse on the air in 88.9 FM, The Impact. Let's get back to reporter Audrey Matus's interview with Barbara Davis. So you're saying it was not the installment of the 496 highway that 
you were saying kind of like put a dent or made <laughs> caused some harm to the black community was most of the closing of Oldsmobile. That was the that was on Max Avenue. Now that across the street there of Saint Joe, where you know the highway is, that was that's four ninety six. But people, oh, uh, I gotcha. So I lived on the other close to Olds Avenue, close to Oldsmobile. From uh, Main Street back was Oldsmobile, and that's what knocked us out of. And then the 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 thing about that was whatever they offered you for your house, you had to take it. it was no different deal for the Oldsmobile plant. Right. Okay. Okay. Great. I actually am not as familiar about that. I'm familiar with the highway and how people were pushed out of their homes. Right. You're saying right. the Oldsmobile landed. Yeah. See, that's what most people think. They always ask us to speak on 496, but that wasn't part of my street. That wasn't a part of my street. Are you saying Max, M-A-X? Yeah, M-A-X Avenue. There's still one block of Max Avenue now. And, you know, around the corner, there's Magic Johnson. He lived around the corner. And I think that street is still left. But that's all Oldsmobile. Gotcha. Do you remember what year? Um, or what Ooh, was the year that you had to move? Um, I was married, so I was married. I'm not answering that. I was married, so it was um, it was after um, 1968. Okay, I'm thinking that is that's what I'm it, Yeah, it was it was after that because I was married. That's when I got. Mary. Yeah. So I graduated. When did you say you graduated? 67, 1967. Okay, from Santa Heights. Yeah. No, from Sexton. From Sexton. Oh, you were married already. Yeah, I had my daughter before I got married. So I was proposed to, but I didn't marry him at first because I didn't want to get married because I was having a child. So we got married in 68 after she was born. Wow. Is there anything about, you know, was it easier to raise a child back then or be a single mom than now? I'm interested in what you're thinking. I wasn't really single um, for maybe six months, and I lived with my parents. But it wasn't bad. I mean, my husband passed when he was 43, and and that's been 30-something years ago. And to this day, I'm still in love with him. That is amazing. How do you? Maybe this might be. I'm interested in this question just because I'm uh, part of my spirituality that I still hold on to is with the afterlife. It sounds like you're practicing spirituality as well. I'm curious in how you deal with loss and how what's been working for you, and if you have any um, tips for other survivors and as you with your clients who are also dealing with loss. So yeah, your personal coping and how you help others. You know what? Like I told you, with my daughter, it was just great. It was horrible. With my husband, it was horrible. But however, he had he was sick for a long time, and you know what? It, I just coped with him because I loved him so much. And there's different things you can do once again to take your mind off of that, because otherwise, the most important thing is I had to hang on to the love of God. And I still do. First, he has to be first. And every morning you just pray because that's real. 
people think you're just throwing it up in the air, but it's real. Prayer is real. So that that's how I got through through with that one. I mean, I'm not really through with it because I went out to his grave from the year he died in 1990 and to 2008 when my daughter passed. Every day, Christmas, wow. Thanksgiving, every day. I um, did he ever like is talking to him help? I didn't really. Sometimes I would like when I would pay. I I like um, you know, old songs, and sometimes I'll put them on on Saturday morning and pretend like I'm dancing. <laughs> but that's just my thing to have fun. It, it doesn't make me sad anymore. It just makes yeah. me laugh. It just makes me laugh and know that. We did stuff. some of the stuff I laugh so hard about sometimes to myself. You would think he was still here. Thank you, Audrey. To check out the entire Lansing Legends series for more great interviews with interesting Lansing locals, visit LansingCityPulse.com. And that about does it for us here at Lansing City Pulse on the Air. I want to thank you for tuning in and checking us out. We'll be back next week at 10 a.m. here on 88.9 FM The Impact with a brand new show. For City Pulse on the Air, this is production editor Skylar Ashley signing off.